0: Welcome to Tripod, our video podcast series dedicated to travel retail in association with the Seva Group. I'm Martin Moody.
1: I'm Roger Jackson.
0: Roger, how have you been? We haven't talked for a while. This is the first show in a few weeks. How are you doing? How's your business? And how are you seeing the state of our great travel retail industry?
1: Yeah, it's great to be back with a new season of Tripod. Um, I think we all had a bit of a break over the festive period. I think uh, you mentioned about, you know, the industry. I think travel retail is going from strength to strength. Your part of the world where, where you reside. Um, Martin in Asia is definitely coming back on board. I think it's only positive news stories we're hearing at the moment for travel retail. Um, I'm seeing more and more brands, both new entrants, actually, uh, reaching out to us and, you know, other distributors and retailers in the world now all wanting to rush back into travel retail. So I know from a passenger number perspective, we're not there yet. Uh, We're still sort of, you know, depending on where you look in the world, but we're still sort of 20%, 25% down on passenger numbers. Uh, But I think there's every reason that that'll recover by the end of this year. And that's what I and everyone else is suggesting as well. So I think whilst we're still in the recovery phase, um, I think we're well on track to you know to deliver a, a I don't want to say a pre-COVID view because I think we all accept that post-COVID a very different world but I think our business is buoyant and we're well on track to carry on that growth and get back to the sort of business levels that we we're all experiencing three years ago yeah,
0: I think so too and talking to a lot of people in the industry um, not just here in in greater china as it were roger but elsewhere the, the the chinese floodgates haven't opened but the chinese are coming there's no doubt about that and uh talking to uh, one of the beauty brands for example the chinese are still a very insignificant uh proportion of their total customers worldwide but in terms of spend much more significant so already we're seeing strong spending by the chinese that are traveling Um, And obviously, they're going to be traveling around the world in much greater numbers. And particularly here now, you know, we've got the mainland and Hong Kong and Macau all open to one another. Um, And so from February 6th, you know, all bets are off in terms of restrictions. Hugely exciting Um, here in Hong Kong. The government's announced a hello, Hong Kong, uh, massive promotion, bringing people back really putting big bucks in behind tourism. Uh, I think it's going to be great for travel retail. Macau's going to have a, a, a gangbuster of a year, I predict. Um, and, of course, Hainan's still, still going like the, like the juggernaut it is. So all good news. Not there yet, as you say, but better and better. Well, Roger, we've got um, a really interesting guest. I go back with this guest a long, long way. You know him particularly well through your work with uh, medfa and, of course, your uh, exhibition presence down in Cannes. Shall we bring in today's special guest? Yeah, let's do it. So, this episode's special guest is John Rimmer, the Managing Director of Tax Free World Association, TFWA, a man well known and much respected to many, many people within the global travel retail community. Well, today, we're going to learn more about John from before, way, way before he joined the association back in October 2012, initially as conference research and corporate affairs director. Five years later, he was appointed to his current executive leadership role for one of our industry's most important and effective associations, the host, of course, of the greatest travel retail show on earth, TFWA World Exhibition in Cannes. So today we're going to talk to john about his early years his linguistic excellence his love perhaps that's an understatement his ardour, his passion for a certain english football club known all over the world well practically as the baggies his murky past in the world of travel retail journalism including yes a stint at what was then the moody report and no doubt a few other stops along the way john Rummer, welcome to tripod
2: thank you very much martin thank you very much awesome. for inviting me thanks to you and roger for, uh, for for yeah for having me with you it's a pleasure to, to see you all
0: right great to have you john so i'm going to pass over to my partner in crime roger
1: if you'll kick off today's episode hey john hey roger we always start off from um... Yeah, the early days so could you just give us a bit of an idea of what life was like growing up education family so take it take us back to when you were a little boy
2: yeah well um i was um, born uh in west bromwich in the west midlands in in england um for those who don't know the west midlands it's, it's kind of the the, the hawaii of, of of england um except there's there's no beaches it, it's not an island and 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 it's uh it's a little bit grim i'd actually you know it's it's a I'd, i love it very much it's where i'm from and I'm, I'm very proud to to be a west midlander um but yeah i had the, i was uh, the youngest of of four um four two brothers one sister um we had a a very uh, enjoyable uh, life growing up there were a few fights as as always in a family of that size um there were a few a few uh, broken bones and uh, and broken egos but it was uh, it was generally good fun and uh, my parents were an extremely uh, extremely uh, loving couple who who you know gave us a lot of um, a lot of love and a lot of, um, a lot of support so uh, yeah it was some um, some happy memories of that time I should some people who know me in the industry know that I'm I'm what the French call a métisse which is a beautiful word which which describes mixed race um in my case it's not really mixed race in a particularly exotic sense but I'm half Irish half English my father was born and raised in the Midlands and my mother uh, from the county of of Cavern in Ireland who came over to West Bromwich as a as a nurse when she was young and that's where she that's where she met my dad and um and so yeah so I'm on the I'm sort of mixed, mixed race, as it were, um, but that's that's given me some some really priceless advantages, and it's given me a lot of loving family in Ireland as well, who I who I, who I love to to see and um, and looking forward to coming back to seeing very soon. So yeah, it was a it was a uh, um, a very tight knit, lovely sort of family background, and and still very close to all those guys, and try and get back and see them in the West Midlands whenever I can.
1: Whilst you're very well known in the industry because of your role and I think a lot of people know who you are and perhaps, you know, have uh, had the odd conversation with you, those who know you pretty well know that you have a love for languages, um, obviously graduating from Cambridge as well, where did the affinity and I guess passion come for you with languages and, you know, share with everyone the languages you speak as well?
2: Um yeah, I think I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I mean, partly it was because for, for whatever reason, I was when I was a kid, I was I was quite. I enjoyed languages. I was quite good at them, and 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 that you, you kind of gravitate obviously towards things that you you kind of good at and enjoy. Um, I think I, I was always quite interested in um, in in the world beyond. You know, the the, the I used to those those of those of, of a certain vintage who grew up in England will, re- will remember. Um, a program called It's a Knockout, which was one of the things that I used to absolutely love watching as a kid. Um, and watching the, the sort of international versions of that program, I just, I, I just used to love it. I was obsessed about the World Cup. I used to organize my own World Cups. So I was, you know, to anything that had a kind of international bent I was really interested in and watching football from European games where the commentary is a bit fuzzy and it sounds very kind of far away and exotic. I remember being very kind of drawn to 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 that. And, and I think you know one of the things I'm most grateful to, to travel retail is giving me the opportunity to, to to kind of see the wider world. And that's something I'll always be grateful for. So I think it I think I always had that kind of interest. Um, and and French culture and Spanish culture were the two that I really kind of was drawn to. And those are the two languages that I that I studied at university. Um, you know, I, I think the, the 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 literature of both cultures is extremely rich. The history of the, 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 those those nations is is absolutely fascinating. I'm really interested in in how the, the the how language intertwines with the culture and history of a country to create a national identity. Uh, I think that's that's something that I, I just find very fascinating and, and I was grateful for the opportunity to study that and to and, and to look in detail at how the French how the, how the, why, why French is how it is why Spanish is how it is and how the history of both nations has, has has kind of shaped the culture and the language so yeah those are the two I did I did study a little bit of Russian as well at school so I have kind of notions of Russian I don't please don't anybody try to speak to me in <laughs> Russian because because my the conversation would be very short but it is useful just when if you when you're in Russia, or, or in a in a country where the the, the 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 alphabet is Cyrillic, it's useful to be able to read it and, and that kind of thing. But reading is one thing; understanding is another. So um, I, I need to brush up on that. But and the, the, what I really want to do, and I did, I did. Thanks to TFWA, I have a, a short beginner's course in mandarin um during during the pandemic which um which was really interesting but i need to get back into that because it's a it's a very complex language obviously but it's something that i think is really is, is, is again fascinating so yeah languages i guess is a is, is one of the threads of my life i guess going, going, going back a Ma- long
1: time martin mentioned at the start about your uh, flirt with journalism and i know that's where your career started so and also, that's where you started in travel retail as well. So we should be all lucky for that. Happy for that. I'm lucky that that's what happened. But tell us about that first role in journalism and sort of how that has shaped where you are now. And I guess any standout memories, uh, especially maybe working with uh, uh, the other man on the call, uh, Mister Moody. Well, at first oh. it
2: wasn't it wasn't it wasn't just flirting, Roger. It was a full it was a full on relationship. I had a very very <laughs> loving relationship with. Uh, with journalism and travel retail, it was, um, yeah, it's going back to the year 2000, actually, I, I um, answered a, a, an ad, having come back, I've lived in France for a few years and came back to England and um, answered an ad for a graduate trainee um, at a major company called Euromoney um which at the time was the owner of Judy uh, Free News International and Travel Retailer International both of which uh, were overseen by Martin um DFNI at the time was edited um, by a certain irishman who called me or emailed me, maybe maybe email existed back in those days I can't remember but he, he got in touch and invited me for an interview at the uh, headquarters in, uh, in central London. and uh, so across the across the desk from me at that interview was uh, a certain Dermot Davitt, uh, who uh, grilled me mercilessly and having seen my uh, birthplace, I think or my, while I was living there at the time on my CV, he said at the end of the interview, and so are you were a West Bromwich Albion supporter. And, and it, 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 as soon as he asked me that question, I, I, I thought, yeah, this I could probably, I could, this, I can probably run with this. This is, this is fine. But yeah, it was a, it was it was my first um, kind of first job in first real job, I guess. Although I had been been working in France for a couple of years before that, um, but it was a, it was a, a really good. I mean, I do, yeah, I have very, very fond memories of those days of the people, Martin Dermot, but also. Some really um, good journalists that Martin will recall very well. You know, guys like um, guys like Mike Eaton, mm-hmm. uh, a confectionery expert, Adele Del Hume, who edited Travel Retailer International at the time. Joe Bates in liquor, who's still still around. Kevin Rosario, um, a lot of guys, and later on, guys like Gavin Lipsith, Tina Milton, who was pleased to work with. Um, and uh, yeah, some really, some some really, really good journalists who all kind of. Supported me and helped me to understand what the business was about. Understand, I think Martin, what you what you really brought, as 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 well as every as well as your knowledge of the, the travel retail industry, was a certain a certain rigor and a certain pride in what you do. You know, just make just you make sure that make sure that you, you you if you're going to write about something, get to know it, understand how it works. Um, don't just don't don't pretend. Yeah, don't pretend because you'll get found out, and you, you need to really, really in, in, immerse yourself in the subject that you're writing about and, and understand it, and help other people understand it. Uh, so it was a it was a really good it was a really really good grounding, and I, I feel very lucky to have started in that way. And in terms of memories, I mean, there's a there's a there's a couple of guys I'd like to mention who sadly are no longer with us who who were wonderful company and. and uh, wonderful you know, you know um, professionals um if that's the right word. um Desmond Begg is one who do Martin would be able to tell infinite number of stories about Des was a wonderful journalist, a wonderful man, and uh, sadly, and sadly no longer with us and died many years ago now but was a a drinks journalist who understood that industry like no one else and and, and was a a fantastic source of, of advice some of it was good um, some of the advice probably not so good, but all of it was was just fascinating and, and, a, and a wonderful guy. And of course, Alex Smith, who we we lost um, last year quite recently, and um, again um, a, a, a real font of knowledge in, in wines and spirits, and, a, and a, just a, a real uh, just someone who was just wonderful company whenever you were. And those guys and the other guys I mentioned all helped to give me the the kind of understanding and the, and the, the passion that hopefully i still have for, for the for the products that we all we all we all care about and in the, the, the industry that we work in so yeah it's it was a it was a it's some really really good memories at that time
0: seeing you uh nice, to, uh nice to hear some of those names um john and it was a it was a really strong team and a strong journalistic culture and it had a great Kind of succession plan didn't it going on? I remember when Dermot started, of course, as a graduate trainee as well. I mm. plucked him out of a big folder of uh, of uh, nominees for for that job or applicants for that job. And because uh, my mum was Irish, I had a bit of a soft spot for the Irish. And uh, there he was, and you know, before you knew it, he was he was the editor. He was fast tracked. And John's kind of been very modest there, Roger. Uh, because John was also fast tracked by, um, by 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 Dermot and and did very well and ultimately led the FNI for quite quite some time. So yeah, it was definitely far more than a flirt. It was a very um, successful um, stint uh, in travel retail journalism. And as Roger says, that was the, the conduit to to what's happened since. And on that note, John, you then moved to Paris, of course, and into business development role. With, with uh, Lagadier travel retail. Um, how did that come about and and I'm interested in this, you know how much of a transition from that was writing about the business to actually being immersed in it. Um, describe that for us
2: yeah I mean it, it was it was a um, I think uh, it, it was definitely a major change obviously as you, as you say it, it, there's a there's a world of difference between writing about a, an industry and then Working for a company that is 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 striving to develop in that industry, so uh, big le- big learning curve for sure. Um, but again, I was very lucky with the people that I work with, and and the the the, the guy who was instrumental in bringing me over was Anwar Fondeur. Uh, Who's moved on from from La now, but was there for many many years. A guy I have a lot of respect for. At the time that the, the Aelia business that I joined was headed up by Michel Perol, uh, again, and a guy huge respect for him. He, he had a wonderful career uh, within within La Um and it was it was a it was a role that I really enjoyed. It was, in those days. Uh, Lagardère had um, a a very international business as they do today but the duty-free side of it was still relatively underdeveloped Um, apart from the French part in in France the the, the Aelia was extremely strong they had some other interesting businesses outside France such as in London, Luton which is still still going strong Um, and a couple of other places, Belfast as well Um, but they were still kind of finding their feet in terms of international development so I was kind of there at the start of that process which over the past 15 years or so has has really accelerated and I think guys who have come in and um, to, to oversee that obviously Doug Rasmussen uh, first among them I think has has really given them a lot of impetus and, and that's been that's been really good to see from my perspective because it's still a company obviously I, I have a fond memories of and I look out for um from from my perspective it was it was it was really interesting because, obviously, your, your the the role was about um, identifying new opportunities and then helping helping to to build a business plan if that opportunity was identified as a as a, as, as as worth pursuing. Um, and so, you know, I was dependent on a lot of people around me who helped to help me to understand what what kind of questions you need to ask. And building the product assortment that's appropriate for the passenger profile um, looking at the, the kpis and, and and building a business plan around what how, what you know of the traffic what you know of, of what you think you can sell and what the, the right brands are what they're getting the, they getting the mix right and all that was 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 really very very interesting and and it was it was challenging as a role because anyone who's worked in business development will know that um for every success, you, you have several failures. The the, the, the hit rate is, is is not that high unless you're Unless you're much better at your job than I was, um, but it, it was it, you have to you have to learn to learn from the failures and and, and analyze why something didn't work, and, and try and put it right the next time. Um, and it's also a lot like like a lot of things in our industry. It, it's it's about relationships as well, and you you really need to build relationships with the, with the business partners, whether that's in airports or with the brands. Uh, and, and so that you know that, that that good relationships lead to lead to good business partnerships. I think because you know that there's a there's a trust um, that you're trying to build, uh, and, and that in itself I think is is crucial to the to, to the, the business development side of things. So there was there was a it was a, as you say, Martin. It was a um, it was a significant change, um, but I really enjoyed it and. and Again, there were challenges. It was, it was, you know, you had to learn to learn to deal with failure and, and then try and turn it into turn it into a, a future success, and that's not always easy. Um, but it was, uh, it, it I learned a lot. I really did learn a lot. And um, and again, I look back on those years with uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of fondness.
1: And um, as a West Brom fan, as we said at the start, and I'm a Bolton Wanderers fan. We're both used to relegation. Actually. I know. Unfortunately, we're both used to relegation. You then had the first, well, and only relegation in your career when you joined the Moody Davitt Report. Um, Roger, Roger, Roger! <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, Roger! This was, this was, this was. Several is, divisions this is, at one time. This, time is from... a, this is like winning the Champions League. This is, this is, this is the this is a, a pinnacle. Um, no, it was it was yeah. I mean, I, and Martin will recall we'd we'd, we'd always kept him touch in any case, and um, and had some interesting conversations. And I think you know um, what I genuinely um, there's no word of a lie. What I've always think had a, a lot of respect with what Martin and Dermot and their team do is that they're always trying to reinvent and always trying to do something new and different. And as Martin will confirm, you know those those new 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 projects or new initiatives, not all of them always work, but what many of them do, and and I think the, the important thing is to be always on the lookout to do something new, and uh, and that was certainly the 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 atmosphere when when I joined uh, Martin and Dermot back in 2010, I think it was at that time. Um, what was even in the even in the years that I'd been out of journalism and then came back into publishing with with Martin and Dermot, what, what was clear was that the things had moved on quite a lot. I mean the the the, the print model, which is obviously still exists and still is valid, but you, you the, 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 the online model was, was very much the the driver of, of innovation in that in that in that sector so um it was interesting certainly to 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 work with you martin do and to, to work together on different things it was at the kind of at the early days of of all the things that now people take for granted with the with the kind of like the online online publications um, multimedia, um, multimedia executions, all the rest of it. it that, that was it was early days in those days, and I remember being with Matt, who we should mention, Matt Willie, who, who's also played a played a big role in in developing the, the business. Would be it, it we getting we were getting very excited in those days about animated ads that we could that we could do, which now is kind of part of the course, but in those days it was very new. So it was an it was an interesting time to be involved, and in, again in the journalism side, and 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 again fond memories.
0: And then, John, of course, you, you made the big move after that to, to TFWA. Again, um, pretty special part of your life. Um, you went in um, in one role, you graduated to your current leadership role. Kind of sum up those years for us um, and tell us indeed about TFWA today, the state of health you've. Three of your leadership years, I would say, have coincided with you know this rotten, horrid crisis—the mm. worst, the most sustained in in industry history—and and you've led the association uh, at an executive level through that. Um, but sum up the whole the whole journey so far
2: for us, if you will. Sure, I, I mean, I, um, it's been a, a really. A, a very very enjoyable time I think for, for, for me I think it, it's it's um it's an association and that like any association that stands or falls on on the quality of the people who, who are involved in it, uh, and I think we've been very lucky uh, in the, the people that we have in our god site. Um, Eric Yule Mortenson in that he would, you know, having known Eric for many years, and, and when the, the opportunity came to, to work with TFWA, um, you know, he was a he was a big part of that. And Alan Mangro, who was the who was the CEO at the time, I'd also known for many years. So when um, when when I first had conversations with them, it was it was you know it immediately you know I felt that this was a this was an opportunity that that I wanted to take. Um, the early days I was focused very much on the conference and research side. Um conferences obviously was something that we'd Dabbled in, I think, with a with a degree of success, Martin, with both yourself and and in DF&I days as well. So it, it was a it was a, a part of the business that I I knew quite well, um, and CFW I think have a history of doing that very well. both both going back years before my time there, um, so that was the that was the initial focus, and and uh, and then when the opportunity came, when when Alan decided to retire and and uh, the role became available for managing director, it was something that I felt. You know I really wanted to have a crack at. So um I think again the the the, the one of the major things that when I look back on TFW and the time that I've had here the, the, the major positives is the, the people that I've met. I mean we have a, a management committee that is about 40 people all of whom give their time um you, you, you know freely uh to because they want to sort of help move the industry forward and I think you know some of the people that I've met through that uh, I have a absolute highest respect for uh, and you know and I've seen firsthand you know the, the the work that they do voluntarily to 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 you know to, to promote and defend the interests of the industry and that's really that's really important. And uh, and I think the, as you say martin the past few years have been tough there's no doubt about it I mean, we we were we were in the darkest days of 2020 you're wondering whether the business model can hold you're wondering whether physical events are ever going to happen again um there's 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 very little visibility on what the, on what's coming up um we're still working through that you know we're still I would say uh, in a period where um We're still striving for a degree of stability. Um, Events are uh, are back up and running and I'm really proud of the two events that we organised in Cannes 2021-2022. I I can't praise the team in Paris for TF2 great enough of the work that they did to, to get those events happening. Um, I won't bore you with all the challenges that we had right now, but you can imagine that it was it was a real tough time and, and to get those events happening, um, bring people together again in, in tough circumstances. Um, it was the, the permanent staff of TFRA deserve a, a huge amount of credit for the for the work that they did to to, to, to make it happen and the work that they're still doing. Still in, in, in difficult circumstances to, to get to get this year's events happening. So it's um it has been tough. Um, just a lot of pressures on the model, a lot of pressures, personal pressures and all the rest of it that we've all lived through in during COVID. But I think both we and, and the wider industry can look ahead to a, What I think is going to be uh, a, a challenging but a ultimately successful year. I think we I think we're on the right track, both we as an association, but most importantly the industry.
0: And um, that's the that's the key, the key. John, through this journey of yours, which has been very interesting. Um, across geographies and across um, different professions, but of course all within this travel retail community. Tell us about the the key influences, perhaps the mentors, um, not just career-wise, but but life-wise. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think um, obviously... Like, like like most of us like any of us I think you you' you look to your family when you when you when you, you, you need support and, and love uh, and I've been very lucky with the, the family that I that I have um my father who's still around um, 92 years young um back in the West midlands um has has been a constant. Sort of, sort of source of support for me and um, and someone who really is a is a kind of touchstone in my lives and the lives of all, all of our family. Um I mentioned you know it's it's a it's a sad memory in some respects. I mentioned my, my older brother Phil who who we lost in 2018. Um he is someone who I think it, it's 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 one of the it's one of the sad things in life one of the eternal truths i guess and that we hear a lot in country music for example you don't what's the name of the, the name of the song you don't miss your water until the well runs dry and and unfortunately that's the case a lot with people you take them for granted when they're there and when they're not there you, the, the loss is 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 extremely keen and and um, and, and losing phil was has, has left a big gap in all their lives, and in you know family yeah. dad, and i'm missing desperately Um, but he's been he's been a great a great support a great influence down the years i think in terms of our industry i mean you you, you, i think my the people that i look to are probably pretty similar to you guys and martin certainly you know we're of a vintage where we can remember the 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 import that some of the kind of what you might call the founding fathers and mothers of our industry put in and, and you know i look to the guys like like the, the Klaus and Gunnar Heinemann, Harry Deal, Dana Heinemann, you know, the, uh, the DFS, Chuck Feeney, never had the pleasure to meet, but Bob Miller. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the, some of the pioneers in, in the Middle East, for example, Colin McLaughlin, George Hoare, and John Sirkler. these These guys, we all, I think, owe an enormous debt of gratitude to because. They are the ones who really prepared, prepared the way for, for for us that have gone, gone afterwards and, and, you know, all the, the success and, and the, the, the renown and the, the quality of, of our retail these days in duty-free. I was a lot to, to the guys who who put that initial work in back in the 60s, 70s and whenever it was. So I think, you know, the, the, those guys, I think we all, should sort of should should remember when we when we we're, we're travelling through airports these days and seeing the amazing um, amazing business that is done the amazing quality of the uh, of duty free it owes a lot to those guys and and on the brand side as well you know the founders of TFWA and Eric is still with us thankfully and um, and you know the, the, the those brands who who saw the value in travel retail who understood the the, the, the what it could bring uh, to 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 national and international brands. Um, you know, they, they, they really deserve a lot of, a lot of credit for what we, um, what we all enjoy
1: today. And I guess we spoke a lot about work, about actually your fascinating career, John. You, you know, I didn't actually realise I've learned a lot myself today about all of the different roles that you've had and the breadth of them, actually. Not many people have had that in a career. But we've touched on slightly on life outside work, but we know you're a massive fan of uh, West Brom I obviously joked about the Moody uh, Davitt report but for those who don't know West Brom is one of the oldest football teams in the world just like my team is Bolton exactly and
2: founder members of the league yours and my clubs Roger
1: founder members and it's joking aside steeped in history so I know you're very passionate about them so tell us a bit around you know being a supporter of them and football and also I also know you love cricket as well
2: yeah, it's, it's. I think Roger, you and I will will understand how you know when you when you when you're born into a club, you kind of you that is your club, and you, you kind of for good or ill, you, you can't escape it. Not that I would ever want to escape it, of course. But um, yeah, I was um, born in West Bromwich, as I say, and and um, the club was part of our lives from a very early age. And my father's a, a very um, passionate sports fan, and. Um, And so my my sister and brothers, we have always been sort of going to the games. I I can't even, I'm always a little bit um, suspicious of people who say, oh, I can remember my first football game. It was this, this, this. I couldn't tell you what my first football game was because I don't really remember it. I I know I was very young, but it it would have been, yeah, I would have been a baby in arms almost in the first game. Um, But in those days, that was kind of, mid to late 70s, we, we had a decent team. That was the last kind of glory period of the West Bromwich Albion Club. Um we were qualifying for Europe every year and that was you know we were finishing in the top five in what was then the kind of Premier League first division. So we had a we had a uh, we, we had a bit of a glory period. Like my father seen us win cups and, and actually seen us lift trophies which I'm very jealous of. Hopefully one day before I go I'll have that pleasure but um it's it's been a I would say it's been a roller coaster ride. It, 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 it sometimes it doesn't feel like that; it just feels like a long, slow descent. Um, but it, it, it's it's um, it's it's more than a, the, the, obviously. Any Barcelona fans will know that their motto is what is it? Miski and club more more than a club, and it it is when you when you the it, it, west Bro i mean, feels a lot more than a club to me because it's about where i'm from it's about the the, the memories i have it's about the the family ties and the the, the ties to to back home and 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 so it, it it's a kind of yeah it's it, it, it's beyond just the the football results that, that, that are generally pretty poor um i'm hoping that we might possibly make it back into the premier league at some point but i think we're going to need to we're going to need a, a bit of a, an injection of investment to really uh, to really succeed. Football's changed a lot, obviously, since since we first started watching it. And, and unless you have the the financial resources, it's very difficult to get sustained success. Um, so I think that might be beyond us. But it is a it is a historic club. It's where I'm from, um, and I still. I still get far too upset when things go badly. I, I should. Many people close to me have told me just to grow up and and stop and stop caring so much about it. But it's um it's difficult once it's got hold of
0: you. I yeah. know you've been a a big fan of the English cricket team, which of course has inflicted great great pain on my cricket team, the New Zealanders in that last World Cup. Courtesy, mm. I have to say, of a Kiwi. But your uh-huh. passion for uh, for cricket's pretty strong too, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I, I played a lot when I was younger, and um, and a bit of rugby as well, Martin. But that that was that's um, that we can touch on. But um, yeah, cricket was my was was. In, in terms of participating cricket was kind of my first love and, and i still am an active member of the, the the cricket club back home where where i where i played for for many years um it's a it's a for for those of us who who have the lucky enough to to see cricket and to enjoy it uh, it's 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 i think one of the great sports in terms of in terms of its complexity in terms of its it's it's you know the the, the, the the nuances of the sport and the, and the, the, the millions of ways in which you can you can discuss it and play it and view it and, and I think um, from a social point of view, going and seeing seeing a game is is one of the pleasures in life that I hope to to always have. There's nothing better than sitting and relaxing with some friends with a bottle of wine and watching a game. It's, it's just it's just fantastic. And I have a few things on my bucket list, including going to see a test in India. Uh, which I haven't done yet, and so all of my uh, Indian friends in travel retail, I'm hoping that, uh, hoping that I'll be able to join some of them at some point in Delhi or Mumbai or wherever it might be to see England play. Um, you mentioned the World Cup. I was delighted, obviously, that, that we managed to win the last one. There's another one coming up later in the year, but I think what was um, you mentioned the Kiwi team. I think the, 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 what, what, what was really great about the, the rivalry that's sprung up between England and New Zealand is that is the spirit in which it's been it's been played I think that the the the, the Kiwi team are a, are a model in that sense they're, they're a team that play very hard but they play with a, a really acute and positive sense of the the the, the 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 spirit of cricket which is which is which is great to see and, and, and I hope that continues um, I wish I could say that about the Australians but we, we won't get into that I'm sorry if there's any Australian pitch. all
0: right. John, this bit's been fun, but we're going to have some more fun. Now, we're going to take you to our resident um, Desert Island. It has duty-free status, as you'd expect. Um, Airfares are very high. We were talking about it before the show. Uh, So we're going to have to fly you, I'm afraid, on our distinctly low-cost carrier. um, That's Tripod Airlines. Um, And when we get you there, we're going to give you a few creature comforts. So, Roger, why don't you kick off our time on the Desert Island?
1: So welcome to Desert Island John. Um Thank you. this is probably going to be the hardest question. Uh of course you've got a duty free allowance and you can buy any two duty free items you'd like. You're probably our only guest who I won't push the name brands uh, cuz it might be a bit awkward for you but if you want to that's up to you. Uh, but what two duty free items would you would you bring
2: well, um, you're right, Roger. It is. A, it's, well, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's actually a really difficult question. Not so much, not so much to, to pick a brand over another one, but just to, just to pick a product. It's, it's a, it's, there's so much these days and so many, so many wonderful products that we see. And, and I, I am going to. I am going to mention a couple of brands because you know our business is all about brands and, and I'm proud that our association represents those brands. So there's a couple of products that are quite dear to me. One one I would take is my is my favorite Irish whiskey. Um, which it's a sector that, as you know, has, has exploded in recent years. And I was in Dublin Airport not long ago, where the, the range was just phenomenal. And I do was, was a huge pleasure to see some of the some of the some of the products there. But there's a more traditional one that I really like, and that again, I mentioned my brother Phil earlier. We we he loved it, and we would we would uh, often drown our sorrows after an Albion defeat with a bottle of Connemara Irish whiskey. And, and so that's the one that I would um, that I would seek out in uh, in in the, uh, in the airport uh, uh, before I board Tripod Airlines. I'm hoping for my other product, the Tripod has a slot at Birmingham Airport um, because it's a product that I think you can only get at Birmingham Airport. And I salute my friends there, Richard Gill, uh, who's a good friend, even though he's a, an Aston Villa fan. Um, you can get at Birmingham Airport um, uh, West Bromwich Albion version of dairy milk um, so that would be, a, uh, be my, you know, the, the, my confectionery of choice, and I would load, load that on board in my Connemara and at least I'd have some, something decent to eat and drink when I arrived on the island.
1: Fantastic! I'm going to be speaking to Jaya about the Bolton Wonders version because uh, I don't. I don't Surely experience.
2: they don't do one. Surely no, they don't. I, do I, one. I don't Jaya, don't, don't, don't stoop to those
1: levels, Jaya. <laughs> Um, so you've got your chocolate and your Irish whiskey. Uh, what would be your choice of music, song or album, and and obviously why?
2: Yeah, it's that's another really really hard one, um, difficult to, to to choose choose one. And if you would if you would if you were letting me have just a single track, it's obviously changes from. Moment to moment, but um, I, there's, a, there's, a, there's a really amazing. I, I'm a big fan of the Beach Boys, um, which I know. I, there's a, certainly one fellow travel retail uh, veteran, Art Miller, who's also a big Beach Boys fan. Um, I would say um, that my favourite track by them would be "Feel Flows." Um, it's a it's a it's a really beautiful song. slightly strange lyrics, as sometimes it was the case with the Beach Boys, but a beautiful song. So if if you were only letting me have one track, I would probably take that. If you were letting me have an album, and and this is where the kind of geeky side—those who know me well know—I'm a bit obsessive about this band, and a bit obsessive about kind of um, electronic music. Um, Kraftwerk, the German band, are one of my favourite and one of my kind of idols.
0: John, I suspect I might know the answer, but then again, you could you could surprise me. We're going to give you some great reading material. Um, I'd like you to take your choice. It may be something you have read before, of course, as opposed to something you're looking forward to. Mm. But um, to while away those hours, what would it be? Um,
2: I'd, I'd take a book that I had to study when I was a kid um, and which, which, I, which I which I still enjoy, which is, um, I, I hope this doesn't sound too, too pretentious, 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel García Márquez. Um, obviously a bit of a legendary book, uh, sort of magical realism, um, but it's a book that, once you've read it, you, you just keep coming, being drawn back to. And it's it's kind of a series of episodes kind of stitched together over the over generations of a single family. And, and as such, you can kind of pick it up and read it again and then shut it and pick up at another point at another time. So that would probably, if you were pushing me to choose one, that's probably what I'd choose. Great, great author.
0: Great, great choice. Um, OK, back to you, Roger
1: yeah so we've got our chocolate we've got our whiskey we've got our music uh, and we've now got your book uh now it's time for a special dinner party and you can pick three special guests whether they're alive or from history obviously richard sneaks will probably be one of them uh, for those who don't know that's a player who's played for my club he's a legend or bob taylor Bob Taylor, um, another one. Yeah, we've had two common legends. Yeah, that's, that's we, we have. Uh, and I was lucky enough to meet them a couple of years ago. Oh, um, great, great guys. But joking aside, who who would you like at the, uh, the dinner party? Three. Well, games? actually, either, either either two
2: of those would be fine. But um, I, I think definitely I would I would love to have met um, David Bowie. Um, I think he would be amazing company just just a, an unbelievably talented uh, individual in a number of different fields and so i would have yeah dearly dearly loved to cook him uh cook him a, um, there's a journalist who maybe not many people are familiar with but i find very funny um who writes for the guardian in england uh, called marina hyde uh, who is who is just very very witty writer and i think I, I she would she would be a very funny addition to the to the party i would i would like to to meet her and then i was i'm torn between two there's a guy from your part of the world roger who um who i find very funny Steve Coogan um who's mancunian comedian very famous in England obviously for Alan Partridge but a pretty good sort of comic actor in a number of different different ways and, and I just think he's very funny and so the the other guy I mean yeah, if I can if you can allow me to sneak another one is there's, there's a really legendary Belgian singer called Jacques Brel who is is just an amazing singer songwriter and, and a bit of a A bit of a character, a bit of an interesting life. He died sadly back in the seventies, but if if anybody is curious and wants to hear some of his stuff, I really, really recommend it. But he was an interesting character with a very, very interesting backstory, and I think he would be a good addition as well. So, I know that's four people, and that's six if we include Richard Sneakers and Bob Taylor. But you know, I'm a a gregarious guy. I'll have more guests if I can. Fantastic. We could extend our table, Roger. Don't
0: you? yeah and, of course uh, we'll, for those we'll, two we'll yeah. widen the party because that would be a that would be a hell of a party okay john you've been a good sport um coming on the show and coming to the island so we're as our treats um going to take you back on tripod airlines and fly you anywhere in the world uh somewhere on your bucket list after these horrible three years that we've all been mm-hmm. through and we're taking you away somewhere to have a great holiday where would it be and why
2: this is, I think, the, the easiest of the questions for me to answer, Martin, and it, it also brings us back full circle in a way, um, so it's a nice way to wrap up, because my choice would be Tokyo, um, and the reason, as anybody, as you guys, and anybody who's been to Tokyo will know, is just that the, it's just one of the most fascinating, beautiful, and, and endlessly Endlessly interesting places on earth that, that I've been lucky to see. And I've been to a lot of places, but Tokyo is the place where I would, I would never tire of returning to. The energy of the place, the food, the people, and um, the sights and sounds—just uh, just, a, just a, one of the the, the, the the great cities of the world. And and when I say it brings us back full circle, is because looking back to my first job in travel retail with DFNI, and I, with you and with Martin, uh, with you and Dermot, and 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 other friends. Um, you guys were kind enough to send me there as my first international trip my first big trip as a as back as a as a pasty face trainee in uh, in journalism and um, you gave me the the dfni japan report to do and so that was my my first real real serious trip and it was it was one that i really really look back on again with thinking it was you know that that was the moment where i think the the industry really sort of got its got its hooks into me and 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 just the opportunity as as a not much more than a kid to go out there meet some amazing people see some unbelievable things and and you know it was then that i decided you know this is this is something that i i really want to do so um Tokyo, definitely. If you can if you can find a slot at Narita or Haneda for Tripod Airlines and get me there after the after the desert island, I would be the happiest man in the world.
0: Very good, John. Roger, as long as we can afford the fuel, it's Tokyo next stop for, for John. Uh, flying yeah. flying with us as a pilot and co-pilot. So you may be in some trouble, John. You'll have be to some strap in tight. I can <laughs> I can tell you that. But we'll take you there with the uh, Great pleasure. John, it's been, it's been great fun to have you on the show. And, and Discover, as we always do, some new things about people. Like I've known you, I guess, for it was pretty much a quarter of a century, maybe a little more. Um, but I would never have taken you for a Beach Boys fan. And <laughs> there, there you are. Um, and I love the Beach Boys. And, you know, there was a bunch of geniuses in that, uh, particularly one. A tortured Soul, but yeah. um, great, great musicians and singers, and really a seminal influence on on American and world music. There you Absolutely. go. So I discovered that, Roger, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you discovered a few things along the way as well.
1: I did, yeah.
0: All right, John. We wish you well with um, you've got a busy year and uh, a much more normalised year uh, coming up in my part of the world. It's really exciting mm-hmm. um, with you know the borders opening up all around all around me, Hong Kong, Macau, the mainland. And of course, that's really important to the association because you've got a big gig coming up in May and it'd be great to have the, the, the Chinese back in, in, in their numbers. So we wish you well for that. Wish you thank well you. Uh, for all your events later in the year and thank you for everything you do for the industry. John Rimmer, thanks for being on Tripod.
2: Thank you, Martin. Thank you, Roger. Delighted to, to be with you and uh, very best of luck to you and and your companies for uh, for what I'm sure will be a, a really, a really good and successful year ahead.
0: Well, that was John Rimmer, a really interesting guest, Roger. And as I just said to John, we discovered a few things about him that we didn't know. I enjoyed that. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. I've got to know John pretty well over the last few years and I've found out some new things today. Uh, The fact that you two have worked together for quite a long time actually was new news. Um, I think John's a great guy. I get on with him personally and also professionally. Uh, We both sit on the same Medford board. So I have got to work really closely with him and I enjoy all my interactions with him. I think he's a great guy, uh, both personally and also professionally. And I think the job he does which is a hard job, uh, Martin, you know, being the managing director of TFWA is not an easy job, you know, to pull together our industry and keep driving our industry forward. I always say, if you don't know much about the TFWA and you're in our industry, you should, and all of our other trade bodies as well, Uh, you know, let's put that out there. Um, You know, we need trade bodies, strong trade bodies like this. Our industry is constantly under threat and attack from a number of different areas and governments and trade bodies, other trade bodies around the world. And we really need the United uh, Travel Retail Industry. And John leading that and the TFUA, you know, we're very lucky that it's in safe hands. Uh, because we really do need them and if you're not involved with them and the other trade bodies please get involved because you know you don't want to get involved when it's too late you want to be there helping and supporting now to prevent you know some of those risks that could actually impact our industry.
0: Well said and um, as you did discover uh, yep I did work with John both at gd Free News International and later at what was then the Moody Report. John's understated his his role at both companies um as one would expect of him he's a modest guy but the moody report roger i should mention he came in at a really tough time we had had a great start as a company uh and then we got to 2010 and i got diagnosed with a very serious form of cancer i had stomach cancer and i remember hiring john the moment we kind of concluded the deal i was on the phone in a London cab, I was going from one hospital to the other with, uh, with drips hanging out of my, my, my arms as I went round the round of testing to see just how bad this damn thing was. That's the, that's the segue to saying that John came in and worked with his, his close buddy, comrade, Dermot Davitt. Uh, those two are an amazing combination and very good friends. And we didn't miss a beat through a year and one would have thought we were really exposed. There was the, the founder, the entrepreneur, the driving force, pretty much stricken. Uh, but John came in and did an amazing job. And him, him and Dermot steered the good ship, the Moody Report, through really troubled waters in those days. And, uh, and I'll, I'll remember that and, uh, uh, very fondly because it was a tough time in my life. But I, at least I didn't see the business collapse. In fact, I saw it flourish probably did better without me Roger um but uh yeah great uh, a great journey he's been on and I, I suspect that it's, uh, it's got a long way to run yet.
1: that's right that's a lovely story I didn't know that either um and it just tells me more more about John more of the same that I already knew about him so um um, I'm really grateful he came on and I'm also really grateful, you know, the support he's obviously given you and the we, you know, the Moody Davitt report that we all need, uh, you know, like I said about the industry, and I'm not saying this because I do this with you, but we need uh, not only a really strong trade body, we also need a really strong press. Um, and I think a lot of people rely on your publication and some of the others to really make sure that we're all informed because without that, um it would be a very very difficult industry to you know to navigate
0: i think it's a responsibility that we we carry and um and i take that responsibility very seriously well well said roger I, i i enjoyed today very much i thought thought it was one of our best shows and we'll have many many more exciting guests to come in the weeks ahead for now thanks for viewing this is martin moody saying see you next time
1: See you next time.